In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, me and Richard Stamen are going to discuss the G League Ignite. They are off to a, I mean, I say to put it lightly, a rough start. They had a game where they lost by nearly 60 points. But this is a team that has potentially, at least we thought maybe seven or eight guys that could get drafted within this draft or maybe next year's draft. And I know there's been some injuries, but we are going to discuss slow is not the word to use we're going to discuss the rough start for the g league ignite and what to expect going forward and how the draft stock has changed for quite a few prospects on the ignite stay tuned Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And my co-host for today is Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen, who I just saw at the Mavs game about an hour ago. And uh, what did you think about that Mavs game tonight? Do you think they're for real or do you think that... Yeah. They have had a light schedule and they haven't beaten anybody yet. What's your yes and no. That? I mean, for tonight, they were on the second end of a back-to-back, and I don't think I've seen a game this year where it shows as much as it did tonight. They stopped attacking Sabonis. They made him, like, the way they were so scared of him was like, you remember Hassan Whiteside back in Miami when he first came onto the scene? Nobody tested him at the rim. That's what it looked like. They were just like, all right, we'll, we'll just take the jumper and we're fine with it. And then they... They were missing short on everything. Really felt like the back-to-back killed them. But to answer the overarching thing, like, look, you play who you're supposed to play. They they did what they're supposed to do. You can't fault them for that. But when you're tested like this, I mean, in three games, they got Milwaukee, Sacramento back-to-back. Then on Wednesday, they play the Lakers. Like, that's a true test. If you go 0 for 3, it's valid to be concerned about their legitimacy. So bonus is really good in person. I mean, he's so good, is Fox. Also, you know, I, I actually had a scouting takeaway from watching him. Have you ever watched him versus almost any other center do a handoff? The way he leads his shooters so much better. And I've started looking for that since I got home and started watching some Ignite film, more of it. It is so rare to see somebody do that. Like it, that, obviously, every single time it feels like because some guys will just straight up hand it off. There's no lead for the shooters. Like that's something I feel like is a really underrated element of centers who are passing bigs. Like you have to hand it off. How are you doing it? How smoothly? Like it's such a minor thing, but I thought it was fascinating. Very minor thing, but but it does make sense. All right, before we get into this episode, I want to let the audience know that this episode is brought to you by none other than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. So go to PrizePicks.com/slash/lockedonNBA. But you have to use all lowercase on the Locked On NBA. You can get a first deposit match up to $100. All right. Let's talk about the G League Ignite. Now, coming into this season, we knew that this team was loaded with talent. We knew that this team could possibly have two guys selected in the top five. Maybe even three lottery picks with Ron Holland, Maras Buzelis, and Ethan Almanza being the three guys that a lot of people liked and talked about. Then you had London Johnson, and then you had Cherry Darlin, you had Tyler Smith. I mean, the, the roster was loaded. Now, 
if you're an everydayer, you could probably go back and, and listen to some episodes where there were some concerns that were expressed about the makeup of this roster, the roster construction, the overlapping skill skill sets, and how are they going to manage all these guys? So they might they've been getting blown out <laughs> in their four games. They lost one game by like 59 points. And I'm still upset because I was in Paris and I stayed up to four o'clock in the morning to watch that game. You know, like when you're on the highway and you're, and you're stuck in traffic because there was an accident. And I, I just went through this a few minutes ago and <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you look, you, you know, that like, you never know what you're going to see. You know, a car might be mangled up. You may see something, but you just keep looking and you slow down and you look and you can't, and you keep looking like a train wreck or whatever. That's how it was for me, that game against the Stars where they were down by like 30 and then 40 and then 50. I kept watching. I think they had, it was, it was either 34 or 24 turnovers. I think it was 34 turnovers. Now, I will say that they've had some injuries. I know, and they had a game tonight, which I haven't had a chance to watch. I just, I listened to it on my way to the Mavs game. And they had like eight guys out and then well, seven guys were injured. And then Ron Holland was ejected. So they were down to just, a, I mean, it was eight guys out. But overall, what has been your biggest takeaway from the Ignite so far? Man, I mean, I think you kind of hit it on the head. Like, I haven't even got, I haven't even got warm yet. I haven't even got started <laughs> It's it's been so underwhelming. I mean, Ron Holland, I think, has been mostly good. He's been a. I disagree. Bit, I, I I disagree. The thing is, he's averaging almost two to one turnovers to assist. The field goal percentage is fine. He had the 11, flashes are cool, though. He had 11 turnovers in one game. <laughs> yes, the game where they lost by Oof. 50, he, he had 11. At what he point? For the next game. At what point? Like from that game, what do you, where do you just throw it away? Like there was such a bad game that it's almost in like this early in the season, it, it'll eventually even out. But like right now it's inflating so much. I just don't even know. Like for me in my head, I might just take it out. Everything was bad. How did they respond? What was it like before? But Ron Holland's been fine. He hasn't looked like the number one pick. Matas Buzelis hasn't even played. I think that's weird. Almanza, I have concerns with passiveness on him. Darlin's looked okay in some of his moments. I heard he had a good game tonight. They just, it, it looks off. I, I, I'm i a believer in the Ignite program, but it's been off to such a rocky start that I just wonder how these guys overcome it. I'm going to have to disagree with you. Big time. Ron Holland has not looked good. I'm going to give you these numbers. 13.6 rebounds, three assists per game. All right. 31.9 minutes. Okay, that's fine. All right. 40% from the foul line, 15% from three, 41% from the floor, and 5.3 turnovers per game. (laughs) I'm going to read those again. The free throw, wait, 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 wait. The free throw percentage. What was it again? 40. It's 41, 15, 40 splits. Yeah. No, I don't believe you. I'm looking this up too. No way. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. Real one GM's game when he was helping. one. I'll for take four. your word. I I feel like that free throw percentage is so much higher, and if, I I think that's a slow start. I think that's something he would get better at. I'm I'm 
maybe I'm too hung up on that, but the turnovers thing, the turnovers thing is the big killer. That to me is why I, I just, he's not the number one pick with that. Like he, it's very careless mistakes in that regard. It's travels. It's dribbling off his foot. He's dribbling into traffic. He's making the wrong read. That's where it concerns me. Well, that's where we, we knew he was fast, right? But he has no pace. He has one speed. And so he's playing too fast. And so what you're seeing is a guy that dominated high school and even like the AU and even the international ranks because he was more active, better motor than everyone else. And then another thing that I, I think that is very underrated or not talked about enough is that Ron was like a four, like he played the four. Now he's having to adjust to playing a new position on the wing, on the fly against grown men and he's still 18 years old and so i think that it was just a little overzealous and what's crazy is people aren't watching like i I, you know if you go type his name in on twitter every like pistons and wizards fans are like we're ron holland you are detroit piston ron holland you are a washington wizard and this is what i felt what happened with scoot last year people were not watching (laughs) They saw the, the the preseason hype. And on one hand, I want to say G League games aren't as accessible, but they really are. I mean, it's just a click of a button. I mean, they're on Tubi, they're on YouTube, but people just aren't watching. So he's just based off of social media and Twitter. And even like some of these draft boards that I've seen come out within the last week, they still have number one. I'm like, they're not watching. There's no way. If he's not number one, he's number two or number three. And if you just objectively watch you there's no way you can say hey this guy looks like a top five pick but in fairness i had justin edwards number one on my board and he hasn't looked good either i mean i feel like every basket he scored has been in transition or like a a cut or a a tip dunk i mean oh for six from the floor and, and, and a big game is is concerning there but yeah man ron ron hasn't looked good there are some people that are just wondering, like, all right, if you're Bazoulis, I mean, your stock is looking good by not playing. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so all right, we we have a lot to, to tackle and and to discuss in this episode. Once again, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. All right. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit more about Ron Holland. We're going to talk about Ethan Almanza. We're going to talk about Maras Bazoulas, and then we're going to touch on Tyler Smith, who, in reality, by a long shot, has been the best Ignite player on offense. Stay tuned. All right, before we get into that, we got to talk about prize picks, because with prize picks, it is daily fantasy made easy. It is also the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you can watch the winnings roll in. For basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. It is a league that is created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. 
And also, you can play in the Community Plays League, where you can play alongside Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. It is under the Community Plays, under the Promos tab of the app. You can view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize pick community each week. So all you have to do is go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA, but it has to be lowercase. And if you use the promo code LockedOnNBA, you can get a first deposit deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. All right. One thing that's exciting that's going on is that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7. Oh, I can't talk tonight. And it is covering the top sports stories of the day with the lo- local experts and our national shows that are covering every league. So go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe for the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. So big shout out to David Locke and the team at Locked On for making history. All right. Once again, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. And if you are every dayer, you know that Richard Stamen always has very interesting takes and that's why i wanted to get him on to talk about the g league ignite all right so and <laughs> you're making it sound like i'm just throwing anything in the wall <laughs> no i mean i just wanted to hear your i mean one I, I knew you would be following right and so i knew that you would have you know good takes fair fair takes of course not necessarily bashing, um, you know, but also just realistic. And so you, you, you have good assessment of what's going on. So appreciate so, it. <laughs> all right. So with Ron, I just I don't even know what to ask here. Like, just tell me your your thoughts on him as a prospect, and if the small sample size of games has changed how you feel a little bit, or maybe even a lot. Yeah, I I think if he's the number one prospect, it's it's one of the weakest number ones we'll see in a while. I, I really think someone else will emerge. I don't I don't know if Sar is that guy. He seems to be the popular alternative, but there's just nobody. Um the other thing with Ron Holland though is just he also I, I really think he should have gone to college. He should have stayed at UT. I think that would have been better for him at this point than the ignite. Like this start has been abysmal, kind of like you highlighted. He also needs to get a lot stronger. I think it'll do a lot of things for him on both ends. He loses positioning uh, in the post very easily on both ends from the lack of strength. Uh, not sure how much I buy the jump shot still. I think his between the legs step back has a really good uh, upside and, you know, he can get it there. But even then, he his jump shot's just so iffy that it doesn't always matter. But I think overall, he's got good tools. I don't know if he's your franchise changer. In fact, I, I don't think he is. But I think he can be a very winning player that every championship team needs on the like as a forward. What is the skill set you think he hangs his hat on? I think the defense is going to translate. I I feel like that's something that we've seen since high school so consistently. Like you look at, he's not necessarily this level, but say Peyton Watson, right? He wasn't very good at UCLA. He kind of skipped the level, and now he's a great defender in the NBA. 
he's not going to be that good, but I do think sometimes that defense can translate and it, it depends everyone, but uh, I do think Ron Holland's defense translates really well. And then he can just be a, this is going to sound like I'm underselling him, but I think he's really good off the catch. I think he's someone who give him two dribbles, give him kind of that triple threat for a second on the wing. He can make a lot of damage happen because he's explosive. He can hit some threes again. That'll get better. And he has a couple creation moves. I do think that's really where you look at him as a two-way small forward, power forward. He's not a four power forward. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I think he, like, he's going to measure at six five at the combine. I mean, the, okay, this, yeah, I, small forward. We'll call him that. <laughs> I mean, they've got him listed at six eight on I think FIBA, but he's he's not six eight. I, I think he's maybe six six. And if he's six six, then you know. He, <laughs> You just never know. I mean, we've seen guys measure at six six, and that means they're six four and three quarters. But you know, if you're six six in shoes, you play the game in shoes. So I, I'll give you six six. All right, well, what are your thoughts on Bazoulas? He hasn't played. He hasn't played since the the showcase, which was in September. He didn't play at the Intercontinental Cup in Singapore, and then right before the start of the season, he hasn't played. I I've talked to several scouts that are just like. What 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 is it? Some are saying that it's actually maybe smart on his part in a sense because the team has looked yeah. really bad and his his draft stock is kind of in in neutral. But there were concerns about him coming into the season just from like a physicality standpoint and just just on defense. And so he was a guy that I thought teams were going to target on defense. I thought he was going to be the guy that teams in the G League were just going to say, hey, look, we're going right at him. Because if you look at the G League, right, for example, I watched a game against Utah, that game where they lost by like 60. They had like Tavion Kinsey. I mean, they yeah. had like grown men, guys that were four-year college players, guys that were all-conference players. And there's not like... I mean, I want to say there's not any weak links on, on a G League team, but you have guys that were stars in college that are stronger and and so on, and, and they're hungry. Like you know, they they have a point to prove, especially when you know the, all all the attention and, and the focus is going to be on the ignite. So I thought he was going to be the guy that they would target, and now that's why I'm really curious about what happens once he returns because. Their defense has been bad as is. And if you're adding a, a, another poor defender, and, and I guess, I mean, poor defender because of lack of strength and experience, it's going to be interesting. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on, on Bazoulas? And do you think that he could help? I mean, it's another weapon offensively. They don't have, they really don't. I mean, they have a point guard, but like not having London Johnson lately has hurt them. Um, I think with Buzelis though, like really we're going off of the film against Perth, right? I think that was the last game he played, which is weird. Um, I think the shooting is real. We saw enough flashes of that, like at his size, what is he? Six, nine to six, 11, somewhere in that window. Yeah. You never know what the heights I've seen. It super all skilled, super talented. Yeah. And I think, I think at that size, plus the skill and the high release, the jump shots really difficult to stop, but I really do think he's too passive in a lot of different ways. And that's on both ends of the floor. And that's a huge drawback for him. I think that's just something like, I, I don't know how often guys overcome being, I don't want to use like the, I don't want to call him soft, but like that label, right. Where it's like that passiveness. He doesn't go 
hard on guys. Like I, I'm curious how often that gets overcome by NBA players. Like we've seen it. One example, DeAndre Aiden actually had it in again against Buffalo. That was the game that completely exposed him. And a lot of his career, just to be completely blunt, it has been limited because he's not as aggressive as he should be. And to me, he's, that but he's been me. like that. Like, yeah, I was on a team. Well, I was on a team, but I was working with a team. We played against him in high school and he had like 28 and 10. But it was like, whoo, man, if he really would have enforced his will, he could have had 40 and 20. <laughs> but he it's, let us off the hook by exactly. shooting jumpers. That, that's exactly it. Like he lets defenses and the other team win too much. And I, I just bringing it back to Buzelis, I don't know if it's he needs to get stronger and it'll give him some confidence. Some guys, I think that is probably how it happens. But for him, I just I don't know if that's enough. It's a mindset thing more than anything. And I don't know if adding 25 pounds of muscle down the road altogether would change that. Yeah, I, I, I want to touch on that a little bit more. But let's talk about FanDuel. Right now, if you are a new customer, you can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's not a better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There is a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL and NBA season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. All right, we, we left off talking about Buzelis. And so here's my here's my theory about that. And I have to check myself in a sense, right? So there are guys, and I can name several guys, that I think maybe we want more from them. We see, like, the talent, the skill set, whether it's, like, the, the, the length, athleticism. We want more for them. We think that they can dominate. But maybe their mindset is already basically preparing them for the role that they're going to play in the NBA. And so, you know, maybe we feel like Matas should be, like, an alpha and, and, and be like a number one. But in reality, he's going to be a complimentary player. I mean, we we hope that he is like, you know, an, an alpha or, or your go-to guy. But I don't think anybody sees that in him. I think even like the biggest Bazoulas stands are like he's going to be a high-level starter, maybe all-star. But... Like I said, on one hand, he he's a guy that you you see the tools and you you just wish that he had a different mindset. So, do you think that his, for lack of a better term, passiveness is best suited for the role that he is going to play in the NBA? It could be. It's just like there's a lot of role players. I think that if you're a role player, you have to almost have that fearless mentality, right? Because you are like, if you're a bench scorer, right? Look at Cam Thomas. Like he's not necessarily a role player, but he is a scorer and really a scorer only, but he is so good at that. And he is so aggressive in doing everything it takes to succeed in that role that he, you know, it, it makes people think like, and, and there's really the verdict still out on this, that he has star upside, right? So it's one of those things though, when you're a top recruit, it's a little bit different. I think, you know, every prospect in college, at least that came out as the star, like they were the star for the reason, like Robert Covington did everything at Tennessee state, right? I think it was Tennessee state, wherever he was, 
Like he did everything. And I think you kind of have to be able to show enough flashes of being able to do that. You don't need to do that for the whole year. But I just want to see that at least like two, three games in a row. I'd love to see him just be the best player on the team. Like scoring 20 plus points, 50% shooting, 10 rebounds would be really cool a couple times. Things like that. It's just you really want to see those high level flashes to be sold that this guy can do what his assigned role is. And then when you need him to be a little bit better when the star is off, that's where he can thrive. Yeah, in comparison, like Cam Thomas, I mean, that's the mentality that I'm sure every NBA GM wishes Yeah, <laughs> that Bozellus had Cam Thomas's mentality because Cam is, I mean, aggressive. is <laughs> It's crazy because I was at the game, the Mavs game, where he, I forgot how many he had. He had like 30-something, but I felt like he did it in two dribbles or less. Yeah. Like it wasn't dancing with the ball, wasn't playing with the ball. It was catch, shoot, jump shot, two dribble, pull up or step back. But he's so aggressive. And even if he's off, you know, he's on the floor like he's a threat. And that's kind of like my biggest knock on Buzelis is that he has long stretches where you're just like, is is, is he on the floor? But then in, in the showcase against Perth, it was like I felt that way. And then I look at the box score at the end of the game and he had 14 points. But, I mean, those threes can can help you pile up points pretty quickly. And it was all in one stretch, too. I mean, I, I vividly remember that. It was like a few shots in a row all along the baseline. Like it was some some nice moves. But, yeah, when you're – it's kind of one of those things, right? When all your points and your stats come in one window, is it, is it that impressive? And it's it's kind of up for debate. Well, that's what's also concerning about the Ignite. So I want to talk about Tyler Smith. I think Tyler Smith has played phenomenal for for the Ignite. I mean, I would like to see him rebound a little bit more. And even though, like, every scout that I've talked to, they're just concerned about his defense. He's actually blocking. He's blocking shots. But his numbers have been good. Like, the, the numbers are crazy. So coming into this game, I haven't calculated the, the stats, but coming into this game, he was shooting like 73% from the floor, 66% from three, averaging 18 points and four rebounds coming off the bench. Now, it's going to be interesting when Bazoulas comes back. <laughs> what happens? <laughs> because Ethan Amansa hasn't played well. And, I, you know, it's kind of like trust your gut in a sense. So I had my concerns about him coming into the season. And then after the two games against Perth, I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I see what everybody else is seeing. But my concerns about him were how is he going to look when he doesn't have the Spanish point guards that can feed him the ball on rolls? And I was I was just in Spain a month ago and I went to go study like their development and passing is something that I mean, they just emphasize passing so much. And so when you're on the floor with, with the Spanish national team, if you're at there's four guys on the floor that are really plus passers from Adaimara to their point guards. And so he was able to just get those baskets on the roll. And I mean, they just knew how to find them. So I was wondering how he would look if he didn't have, you know, those type of pick and roll playmakers. Well, in the two games against Perth, they always paired him on the floor with Pargo. And Pargo, like, was looking for him. It was intentional to find to find him on the roll. And then now, so far, this season, I mean, it's only been four games. It's a small sample size, so things can change. He hasn't looked 
good. He's averaging 5.6 rebounds per game. And I mean, for a lot of people that thought he was a top 10 pick, those aren't those aren't good numbers, especially when you consider the G League numbers can be inflated in a sense because it's a 48 minute game. The pace is faster. And even like when your team is getting blown out, he's not even getting garbage points. He's shooting 42% from the foul line, hasn't made a three, and he's only shooting 34.8% overall from the floor. I, I need to hear your thoughts. And then we'll Yeah, get I I just he's one of the hardest players to evaluate. Like the the decorated accolades is unbelievable for the international game, but unbelievable. Yeah, and it's hard to like which do you take more of, right? Like that or whatever happens this whole season. It's honestly a tough question, uh, especially when you consider the background points you made, like the point guard play, the things like that, and just the overall construction. But with Hamansa, for me, what worries me is the passiveness. Like he's another guy where it feels like he goes to the rim. He's not super explosive. Uh, there were a couple times, I, th- I want to say it was against Ontario, where he gets to the rim, he looks like he's going up, and then he just comes, he barely leaves the ground, and it's a weird, weird kind of thing. And then also he just doesn't go, he doesn't bully younger players, or sorry, not younger, uh, smaller players. He should absolutely, every time he gets somebody under 6'6 in the post, he should be taking them to, to work. Like, it should just be no issue, but it's just not that. And to and me, that's the I don't that's think he's strong concern. enough, too. I don't, I don't think yeah. he's, he's strong enough. And I mean, he's still young. I mean, what do he play, under 18s this summer? Yep. Yep. So I think it's it's tough for him to bully smaller guys that are they may be six five six six but they may weigh just as much as he does. And so I mean, and he's a role man. I, I never really saw him as like a post, but even though he showed some flashes, but it was more so because he just has really really good touch around the rim. But I think when guys are stronger than him. Now you're off your sweet spots, and now that touch is kind of eliminated a little bit because instead of it being like an eight foot shot, it's now turns into a ten foot touch shot. Yep, yep. It's it's funny too. Like I'm looking at my scouting notes too. Literally the the thing about the smaller players in the post. I said he plays too passively against smaller players in the post. Like he doesn't want to hurt anybody. Like he's too nice. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll hear any coach say like you just need to channel that just you know that absolute a hole in you right where. It's just do whatever, like bully him. It's okay. And some guys just need to, it takes a little bit, like he's young, but that is something I want to see. And also going a little bit into the shooting, like he hesitated a lot in the international circuit. He hesitated so much as a scorer and mostly a shooter. And I think that hurt him a lot too. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's interesting because on, on one hand, and this is where I struggle with him. Like he was tough for me because on one hand you can't, discount the resume i mean three straight mvps gold medal i mean his fiba careers is decorated as you ever find for a teenager but my concerns with him were he doesn't space the floor good athlete not a great athlete i mean he just i mean good defender not a great defender not a great shot blocker i just couldn't figure out like what is the one thing that he can hang his hat on other than the fact that he has a high IQ. I, I do think that he is a a good passer. I mean, I, like my comparison for him, a lot of people think of Vrajal, but Anderson Vrajal. My comparison for him would be like a little bit 
Joakim Noah light, like a guy whose game is not aesthetically pleasing. Like you're never going to like see somebody in the gym playing pickup talking about doing a Joakim Noah move. <laughs> but, but I just thought like he did the little things like, like you talked about in the opening, like he knows how to get guys open in DHOs. He, know, he just does yeah. the little things, has a high IQ. He can pass. He can rebound. Like I, I just feel like there's things that he does well that brings value. But what is that one thing? And, and if I had to like lean towards the one thing that he does well would, would be motor and energy. So I'm like, all right. So you got two guys on, on the team. Their, their, their greatest skill set right now is their motor and energy. I don't know what, what how good you can be, but I want to talk about Tyler Smith. Like I said, he got off. He's off to a phenomenal start on the offensive end. He's shooting lights out. I think one of the reasons why he has looked good is because he actually has a defined skill set that he brings to the table, which is his outside shooting. And he's been now. Can he maintain the blistering shooting numbers? I mean, that would be incredible. That would be like the greatest season in the history of basketball. So you know the shooting is going to – everything is going to even out. Kind of like Kaysen Wallace last year. I know Kaysen, like at the beginning of last season, he was shooting like 50% from three, 50% from the floor. I think he's actually doing it right now for for the Oklahoma City Thunder. But for Tyler, I mean, I thought he's played well. I thought that – I mean, he's he's done enough to show people or remind people why he was such a highly touted recruit before he went to OTE. He was, he was a top five recruit before he goes to OTE, kind of, uh, I don't want to say disappears, but just didn't have the the buzz. And then someone tweeted something to me that, that just made a lot of sense was that when, because um, Tyler was in that first group of guys that went to OTE, and when John Montero didn't get drafted, OTE focus all of their attention on the Thompson twins, like all of their attention on the Thompson twins. I mean, there's people that didn't even know Almanza played for OTE last year. So I think him and Tyler, um, you know, they just didn't get, get any, they didn't have much buzz, but luckily for Ethan is that he played FIBA. So people were able to see him in FIBA. So with Tyler, he, he enters the season with very little draft, but I know when I did my, my big board, I think I did my top 30 and I had him at, 31 he just missed it but i mean i had sar i think i had sar at 30 and i had um hello i mean i had i had like a list of guys that i thought could be higher but they also had like these glaring red flags in a sense whether it was motor whatever whatever so i said i'll just say this what are your thoughts on tyler and do you think his role is going to be reduced when Maras comes back, or or I shouldn't say comes back, but you know enters the the rotation a little bit. Um, I think he is the the most direct in line to to see minutes go down a little bit, or at least like a, a role change. But I've been impressed. I think you hit it all on the head, right? The shot's been really good. I think the jump shot, though, it's never going to be as high fall or excuse me, high efficiency as it is now. Like I think it's a little bit outlier, but that's because it's early in the season. It's okay. But I think he's going to be a good shooter. And on top of that, like the only real scoring thing I've seen that kind of worries me is how much he forces his left hand. But so many young guys have that issue. It's not a glaring flaw. 
the one thing that really started to pop, I want to say it was against Ontario. You can see, cause I, I, it was Ontario. So I think that was the game. He went like eight of nine, had a, like three blocks, a steal, a couple assists. Like it was his best game and it'll probably be the best game of his G league season. And to me, it was just that help side defense where he came over. He read everything perfectly as a help, help side defender. I was so impressed. I think as he gets stronger, you're going to see him be just even better. Like as they almost, uh, I don't know if this is a good comparison, but like just the way I talked about him just now kind of triggered this was like a way in a way it could be like a Jabari Smith guy. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the archetype or that's the, the, the model that teams are looking for. Jabari Smith, Taylor Hendricks. But my concern is, all right, when Maras comes back, somebody is going to be impacted by him. And I don't think in any situation, which kind of, stinks for 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 Tyler. I don't think in any situation Ron or Matas will come off the bench no matter what because it would be a bad look for the ignite in the sense that the two marquee guys from their recruiting class that is supposed to be their deepest and best class yet aren't starting. And <laughs> that that um I think that would be a, a difficult pill to swallow if I were like Tyler Smith I just think they have too many miles to feed. I think honestly I think they just bit off way more than they can chew and we haven't even talked about like when London Johnson plays and then you got Dink Pate who is is coming back from injury then you know they have quite a few guys injured but wrapping up I actually thought coming into the season injuries would be beneficial for the team I thought it would help Jason Hart structure the lineups in a sense where he doesn't have to play 10 guys. I thought that, okay, you know, if there's a few guys hurt here and there, it it allows you to, you know, just, I mean, you you just don't have as many options because I think there is a such thing as having too many options and you don't even, you, you never even see colleges recruit this many freshmen in one class. I actually talked to a coach at a power five schools a couple of years ago he said the most he'll recruit is three freshmen in a class. He's like, maybe one goes to the NBA, highly touted. But he says three aren't going to play, and one of them's going to transfer. You're going to lose one anyway because if he's highly touted and he's not playing because he's behind a senior, then he's probably going to transfer anyway. So he was like, I- I'm only going to recruit three, maybe two. And then you see the Ignite have what would be the equivalent of like eight freshmen and they're trying to i mean just kind of keep everybody happy overlapping skill sets so i I think it's it's uphill battle yeah i mean even in agencies right like they don't recruit all of the same type of player you don't see an agency get like two players who are comp to the exact same guy because like it's it's competition right and obviously it's a little bit different but just yeah you want to be able to balance the roster and it feels like they just went purely for talent and we're like yeah we'll figure out the fit later I think it kind of has hurt them a little bit, uh, or at least like hurt the players a little bit more. Yep, I agree 100%. Well, I'm sure we'll be covering the Ignite a little bit more. Hopefully, the next episode won't be as, I don't want to say this was negative, but hopefully we can say, hey, things have turned around and, you know, they they won a couple games. Guys have defined roles and, and, you know, guys are playing a little bit better. But thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen. And if you are everydayer, 
in the next episode, me and my brother James, we are going to cover we're going to cover the rookies. We're also going to talk about a few guys that have come out of nowhere and have improved their draft stock. So be sure to check that out. And for your second listen, check out the Locked On 24-7 podcast. So Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus the national shows covering every league. So go to Locked On Sports Today. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with Richard Stamen and we are out.